On this week's episode of Deadball Brothers, we've got so much soccer that it hurts. We've got European League soccer. We've got MLS soccer. We've got international friendly soccer coming up. We've got Manchester United soccer. And in that case, it's literally hurting Drew. I don't want to talk about we it. We are going to talk about it because that's what a podcast is all about. We've also got our best worst advice for your FPL League team. And I come with a little story about a fan who would be king and almost managed to pull it off. Buckle up. This is Dead Ball Brothers. Welcome to Dead Ball Brothers, a weekly podcast about soccer and history with a healthy dose of stupidity. So much stupidity. A healthy, healthy dose. An okay amount of stupidity. Like three out of five dentists recommend this stupidity. Like you might get cavities listening to this. Yeah. But well, also, it might fix the cavities. It might clean your teeth. Maybe it will prevent a future root canal. You might need to see a second opinion. I don't know. It should be said that Drew and I both got a lot of fillings when we were kids. Oh, so many. Terrible. I hate the, the dentist. We, we were really bad at brushing our yeah, teeth. Honestly, not something I'm proud of. No. No. It was it was bad. Yeah. Should we introduce ourselves? Yeah. My name is Adam Whitaker Snavely, and I am everyone's least favorite athletic writer. With me, as always, is my real-life brother, Drew Snavely, and I am no longer a fan of soccer. <laughs> Just to recap, for those of you catching up, uh, last week Drew introduced himself as Drew Snavely and Manchester United is winning the league um, after beating Chelsea 4-0 on opening day. Since then, they drew with Wolves, which isn't a a terrible result. It was at Molyneux. Which they didn't get any points at at all last year. It's a tough place to play, but somebody, a club the size of Manchester United... Should be expected to to beat anybody outside of the top six, but this isn't the Manchester United of of the of mid two thousands. Ye old Manchester United. Yeah. So it's kind of tough to swallow. But and then this here week, we are. Oh, I whew, where do we even begin? Hodgson's boys, Hutchins. Crystal Palace. To not only lose to Crystal Palace at home for the. First time since 1991. Ooh. <laughs> I, I, it might not even be home. I think it's the first time Crystal Palace has beaten Manchester United since 1990. Since the year that I was born. Yes, the year of your birth. I know exactly how long that is. That is 28 years, Drew. Yes, it is, it is a very long time. Uh, to not only lose to Crystal Palace, but also to be the first team to give up not just one goal to Crystal Palace, but they gave up two goals to Crystal Palace. Yep. <laughs> is is tough. Yeah. It's tough to, to swallow that reality. But here we are. But here and we are. It's we're a recording and we're talking about it and I no longer like soccer. Drew is very upset with me. <laughs> Drew Drew looks like he wants to punch me right now. I didn't I said I didn't want to talk about it and Adam said you said I have to talk about it. So here we are. Well, yeah, because la- yeah, because last week you said that Manchester United were going to win the league. Yeah, well, the people deserve I to know your reaction. Wanted to eat my cake then, and I have no more cake to eat. <laughs> I ate all my cake. I think that's the expression. The cake is gone. The cake is gone. <laughs> that's the T-shirt. That's that's the, the t-shirt. first T-shirt. The cake is gone. <laughs> the cake is gone. Oh man! But other than that, it was a pretty interesting weekend in EPL. Uh, some surprise results. We just finished up. 
Newcastle Spurs, where so Spursy. What is it? Steve Bruce? <laughs> Steve Bruce's guys and Joe Linton. Joe uh, Linton. That's uh, how you pronounce it. Joe Linton. I don't know how you pronounce his name. I thought it was like Yolington. I, I don't know. English. He's Brazilian. He's uh, Brazilian. He's Brazilian. Yeah, dude. You should All know right. that. I should know that. I yeah. need to look it up. I just had a whole big Twitter thing about how you should pronounce people's names, right? Yeah. Well, he scored. Somebody who literally has Lint in his name scored on Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you definitely pronounce it more exotically than just yes. Joel Linton. Yes. <laughs> However, I know that most English announcers probably going to be like, Joe Linton. <laughs> ah, does the trick. Joe Linton. I don't know. <laughs> what else happened? Uh, Norwich and Chelsea played a banger. Oh, man. Pookie... Pookie gang, pookie gang, pookie gang, pookie gang, pookie gang. Pookie We're having gang, a pookie, pookie gang. gang. A pookie po- gang. A pookie party is is going on in here. Pookie fiesta. Adam was just telling me that he needs to transfer in pookie, and I said, why isn't he already in the squad? I actually didn't say that, but I was thinking it. He needs to be in your team if uh, he's not there. Okay. Ride the pookie train. It's going to happen. For as long as... How about you calm down? As long as it's going. Hop, hop aboard, or else it's leaving you in the dust. Uh, you also had uh, the, the, the lad, Christian Pulisic... Notch's first Premier League assist. Very, very exciting. Second assist for Chelsea. Yes. It was also a part of the build-up for Chelsea's first goal, Tammy ho- Abraham. The hockey assist. The hockey assist. The yes. MLS assist. The assist before the, the assist. assist. The pass before the pass. The pass, be- the pass before the pass. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I think he played pretty well. It seems like he's easing into it. Yeah. I didn't get to see a ton of the match, um, but I did see Chelsea's goals. And it looks like he's developing a pretty good connection with Mason Mount. Yeah, a slick connection. Uh, I mean, that goal was actually very nice. Just like Pulisic receiving the ball, taking a touch, then leaving it off for Mason Mount, who then produced an equally good touch that took him past like two people and gave him that opening for the shot. Yeah. It was real nice. It was was just a, it wasn't like anything crazy, but it was just a very nice, solid connection. Same thing with the first goal. Mason Mount found Pulisic on a, a, like a long diagonal ball. Pulisic took it down the first touch really well. Uh, drew two defenders to him. Let as Pulicueta overlap. Played him in. As, as Pulicueta crosses it, Tammy Abraham finishes it. Yeah. Chelsea, Bread and butter. Chelsea at the moment not having a problem scoring goals. I mean, Main they had a problem issue. scoring goal last time, last week. Well, yeah, I guess. But not this game. The only thing is that the defense continues to be very leaky. Yes, they still don't have Rudiger. And Conte was hurt for the game. Also true. But even if he was in the game, he wouldn't be playing in his best position. So what's the point of even entertaining that conversation? <laughs> Somebody had to say Yikes. it. Somebody had to say it, and I'm saying it. Put N'Golo Conte in the holding midfield role, please, for yeah. the love of God. Yeah, I, I, think, that, I think that you just... You you flip the triangle from what it's been. Yes. Like where you had Jorginho as like a the deepest player, and then Mason Mount and N'Golo Conte, or Kovacic and N'Golo, N'Golo Conte, or Mason Mount and Kovacic, and you play two holding midfielders. You, and you let, keep Ross Barkley on the bench. You keep Ross Barkley on the bench. <laughs> you play N'Golo Conte and Kovacic together. Yeah. And let people roll around. You play Mason Mount in front of them. Kind of plays a, ooh, a little Triquartista yeah. kind of role. Yeah. He's, 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 got, he's got some 10 proclivities, but he's definitely got some defensive midfielder proclivities. Yeah, yeah he's good. He, he's got the qualities that you need for 
really any position in right. the center of the park. So You let Pulisic do his thing on the wing. You hopefully get Callum Hudson-Odoi back soon. Yeah, Callum Hudson-Odoi and Ruben Loftus-Cheek will be... Returning to the fold. Returning to the fold Soon-ish. and mixing things up a little bit, yeah. making things spicy. It would definitely be different for uh, Chelsea. How about Norwich, man? Shouts out to Norwich. Shouts out to Norwich. Uh, they are having a blast in the Premier League. They're just a fun team. We're having They're fun so watching fun them. to watch. Yeah, they are. And they have a even, good squad. Even when they got crushed by Liverpool on opening day, it was clear that it was like, this is a fun team. Pookie scored against. I know Pookie scored against Liverpool. When Dia was doing was was running game, like Liverpool were lucky not to not to give up a couple other goals too in that yeah. game. Norwich doesn't have a good defense, but they're just like we're going to attack like, yeah. no matter what. Yeah, and it's fun, and they're way more fun to watch than Fulham was last year, and I think Oof, that was their yeah, kind of true. That was Fulham's mo last year. We're just going to attack. I, I, it wasn't even that they were just going to attack. They just didn't know what they were doing on yeah. the field at any point in time. Yeah, it's it was tough. rough. It's rough. Rough watching Tim Ream out there. Oh, man. Timmy. <laughs> Timmy Ream. Timmy Ream. Match of the weekend in the Premier League, Arsenal and Liverpool. Liverpool winning 3-1. to one. I Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I was out because uh, my in-laws were in town this weekend. Yes. Um, yes, they were. And I was out uh, at a burger place with them, and I just I had checked the score like 15 minutes before it was like whatever the 20th or 30th minute or something like that it was zero zero I was yeah like, interesting we got there i looked at the screen three nothing liverpool i was like what the heck yeah it happened pretty quick um but it's kind of what you expected you yeah know? it's kind of what you expected i think i think a lot of people were overestimating what arsenal would be able to do especially this early in the season especially based on the results of you know, going against a team like Burnley and narrowly winning. <laughs> yeah. David Luiz not really solving things in their defense. Really you know, just You know, imagine problems. that, Drew. Imagine David Luiz not solving problems in your defense. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. Uh, yeah. I was saying to somebody earlier that uh, David Luiz would eventually, like, screw up and yes every time every every time and he had two bad mistakes that led worldly mistakes direct goals for Mohammed's law yes so um yeah david louise is like one of those ultimate like elite feast or famine players except he's a defender so like it's like david louise defending is, is exactly like david louise taking a free kick which is whenever david louise lines up a free kick that's 35 yards from goal He's either going to do that thing where he has that like straight up and down shot and that it's a like worldy. dips right that that goes crazy and dips and it's a worldy, or he is crushing that thing into the upper deck. Eighty stands like it high. is. It is not. There is no in between. David Luiz does not get close to free kick goals. He either does not get anywhere near it or he scores. Like that's that's his two modes. And that's how he defends too. Yeah. That's him as a player. It yes. just completely encompasses it. Ugh. Yeah, whatever I mean like I, I know that people were like, oh Chelsea like don't have any center backs. Why are they doing that? And oh I, I know that like oh this is a good move for Arsenal because they need center backs. But still like they need yeah they needed a center back. They needed an offensively sound center back. Yeah. 
Yeah. And David Luiz is not that. They don't need help in with the offensive end of things. That's honestly that's his, his best game. qualities yeah. is, is how he can help his team yeah. defensively. So, I don't know. That's that's or offensively, whatever. Yeah, that's Arsenal, though. They're the Gunners. They're, they're trying to beat people with goals scored, which uh, is how you usually beat people. Yes, but absolutely. Sometimes you need some defense, too. My game of the week was uh, Borussia Dortmund. Yes, yes. Raising my blood pressure, unnecessarily so, this early in the season. However, got the job done. 3-1, right? Thank you, boys. 3-1. Thank you, Jaden Sancho. Thank you, Paco Alcacer. Thank you, m- friggin' Julian Brandt. They they scored all three goals after the 70th minute, right? Yes. Which is, well, uh, Sancho scored in the 70th, and then yeah. mm-hmm. there was a goal scored in the 86th, and then... Like, stoppage time. Stoppage time. Yeah. yeah. Seal it. It's a little Yuli, close. Julian Brandt is so good. I when once once Julian Brandt is starting, Dortmund is gonna like Dortmund's really gonna start rolling. Yeah. Um I you know, like Torgan Hazard is fine. He's a, he's like a good he's a good Bundesliga player. Like he, he you know what to you you know what you're gonna get from him. Yeah. Um I just think that the lesser, the lesser hazard. The lesser hazard. It's really unfortunate that essentially his game is Eden Hazard, but not as good. <laughs> <laughs> like, that it's sucks. Rough. That and sucks. to be the younger brother too. Yeah, to, yeah. To be looking up to, yep. to Eden his entire life. Yes. To never be able to reach. <laughs> oh man. That was always great about me, you, and Luke. Me and Luke always had like really different games when we yeah. were playing soccer. Yeah. I played. I played forward, but I kind of played it more like a midfielder. Because I think I'm a midfielder at heart, um, like a like a defensive midfielder at heart, probably. Yeah, and <clears throat> Maddie Hill would would go out and say, "Go out, run, run hard for ten minutes, run hard for ten twenty minutes, give John and Jason a break." <laughs> and I did. Yeah, and I was I was always more in the the center of the park. Yeah, that cla- that that Stevie G, that Frankie L. Box to box, box to box midfielder, absolute machine. No, <laughs> never a machine. <laughs> I had my moments. <laughs> Luke was Luke was a goalkeeper for for so long, and then Matt Hill was like, "You're gonna play wing," and Luke Luke just ran. He's like, "All right, Luke's faster than both of us. Luke is uh, faster than both of us. <laughs> Fight on those wings, man." But uh, yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Uh, I like Dortmund. I like their depth this year. I think that. It is possible this year that they might win the Bundesliga. Ooh. I also said that it last year, but I was kind of like, the problem is with Dortmund is that you always know we're going to get to a point and the tires are going to fall off for oh, no good man. reason and we're just going to lose. And that's exactly what happened last year. And I think that there was, uh, like, the signs were there last year as yeah. well. There was, like, a several results that came that was just like unbelievable like we just pulled a rabbit out of a hat and that was and and we and we got wins like that super early in the season and yeah. then you know as the season progressed regression to the mean we couldn't reproduce those things also we had a billion defenders get hurt yeah. and our defense was a tire fire yeah the so Bundes- we back Mats Hummels yeah the Bundesliga looks like it's there for the taking this year so. It's I I think this year more than other years it's going to be more of like a real three team race. Yeah, 
Because I don't think Bayern Munich looks... I, I mean, like, I think Bayern Munich looks as good as they did last year, which is a very good team that can win the Bundesliga, but also not necessarily the great, like, dominating Bayern teams yeah. of, like, the several years before that. Like, Ian Robin, Frank Ribery in their prime. Yes. And Leipzig... And not retired. And Leipzig looks good, too. Yeah. Like, uh, Leipzig just re-signed Timo Werner. Uh, to to a big contract, they're gonna get Demo. they're gonna get Tyler Adams back soon. Please, please, Tyler Adams get healthy again. Please, Tyler Adams, for the sake of the United States soccer fandom, get healthy again. Please get healthy again. Please get healthy again. But yeah, it's gonna be the Bundesliga is gonna be uh, very interesting to watch. Yeah, should we uh, do bad FPL advice? Let's let's give our worst best FPL advice. New, a little new segment. A little segment for WTFPL. Uh, all you people out there listening and possibly thinking, hmm, maybe much like Adam Snavely, my team has been doing absolute butt the first couple weeks. <laughs> what can I do to possibly make this better? Well, to that I say, probably play your wild card. But if you want to do something that's a little bit outside of the box, we have some takes that will probably turn out really, really poorly, but. They are kind of well thought out. They could, it could be good. It could be good. There's a chance. There's a chance that it could be good. They're not completely unfounded. Absolutely. So, would you like to? I'll go. Would first. you like to go first? Right. Here's here's my here's my best worst advice right now. Yeah. Captain Todd Cantwell. Uh, all right. That's... Todd can well, if you will. <laughs> Coming off a goal. Coming off a goal. And okay. The game before a couple assists. Yes. So. It's it's tempting to, especially this early in the season, be like, oh, scoring tons of points. Not very expensive, obviously. But also, like, you know, you can't guarantee that reproduction, especially on a team like Norwich. Because Norwich is a super volatile team. Um, they are going to have times, I think, when their formula isn't working. However, Todd Cantwell is a guaranteed, like, 90-minute player for Norwich. Like, he is, I don't think he's been subbed off yet. Um, he's playing on the opposite wing as Buendia, which Buendia tends to drag a lot of defenders with him, which frees up Todd Cantwell to make those late runs into the box and find himself on the end of, per se, a pookie cross, which is what happened against Chelsea. Or he can also dish out the assists. With You have a forward whose movement off the ball is as good as Pookie's is. Um, it really just takes kind of a, a basically competent passer to find him. And Todd Cantwell has proved that he can be that. They're playing away at West Ham. West Ham has yet to pick up a clean sheet this year. Uh, Declan Rice is a little bit reckless in the defensive midfield. And I really think that Todd Cantwell could be a sleeper captain pick for week four. Wow. that uh... Also, he's only like 4.6, probably will go up to like 4.7, 4.8 or something like that. But invest in Todd Cantwell... And you can then also possibly figure out a way to get both Sergio Aguero and Raheem Sterling into your squad. That's some really well thought out bad advice. There you go. Um, bad advice. I did not, in I did not look into uh, as many stats or um, think as much as Adam clearly <laughs> did about his bad worst advice because it's bad advice, um, but. My bad advice for fantasy for WTFPL this week is start Nick Pope versus Liverpool, and okay. I will be doing that actually. All right. Here's my here's my 
thoughts behind why we should start Nick Pope versus Liverpool. Tell me everything. Liverpool shoots a ton. Yes. 55 shots in three games so far. That's quite a bit. That's quite a bit of shots. So it's a great opportunity for Nick Pope to rack up a ton of saves. Another thing, Burnley sits back and absorbs pressure all game long. That's literally the only thing they do. And then on a hope and a prayer, it seems like every game, it has happened every game so far this season, Ashley Barnes has smashed in a goal. Um, yeah, Burnley, Burnley definitely, I think, seems to be... I feel like the the European hangover for them was super real. Yeah, and that the first half of the season for them last year was was absolutely brutal. But the second half was actually not that bad. They yeah. got caught in the relegation scrap because of just how bad the first half was. But they were pretty good the second half of the season, and it seems like they've carried that into the new season. Yeah, Sean Dyche has their defense figured out, and so I think they're going to limit the amount of really big chances that Liverpool will have, and Liverpool end up settling for some uh, lower quality shots, which will... <clears throat> some bad XG shots. Some, some bad XG shots, which will only be good for Nick Pope, who is a very talented keeper. Maybe he gets a penalty save. We'll see. Uh, but that is my bad FPL advice because hey. there is... I mean, they are playing Liverpool, so there yeah. is a chance that they lose 6-0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they get that double negative points on that. Yeah, you know. that's So that's our, that's our best worst advice for you for this week of FPL. And uh, Drew, I have a story for you. I'm so ready for this story. Yeah. So uh, kick it with us real quick. We'll be right back. And we have a story about a, a fan who would be king. And who would be king. Let's do it. Adam, we are back. We are and back. you have a story about a fan who is almost king? Yes. It's okay. a little metaphorical. Okay. Bear with me. Uh, the poet. Yeah, the poet in me. Forever mm. a poet. Mm-hmm. So, 1960s. Uh-huh. Italy. Okay. Rome. Okay. Great city. Lazio. Lazio. All right, all right. In the 1960s, Several well-organized supporters groups that would become the famous ultras of Italy okay, uh, began to pop up in the stands in support of Lazio, famous and infamous Roman club. Yeah. Uh, the first large supporters group that really led the stadium in way of support was called the Eagles, and they controlled the Curva Nord, which um, would become the most famed section of the stadium for their, for their supporters' displays and yeah. the choreo yeah. and all of that. Like Stratford End for for yeah. United. Yeah, everybody has their everybody has their own. Everybody has their stand. Yeah. Um, the Curva Nord was like the the kind of like the famous terrace. Okay. For the for the the big supporters. Group. Cool. Um, this time period when like ultras groups were becoming a big thing in Italy coincided with what is referred to in Italy as the years of lead. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Which. If it sounds intimidating, that's because it is. Okay. Um, this is the time period in which political extremist groups carried out terrorist attacks. A lot of them. Oh, wow. Um, there were assassinations, bombings, fires, uh, all told a period which lasted around 20 years and led to some 400 civilian deaths. Whoa, that's tough. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, so it's this, kind of, it's this kind of period in the Cold War where there's both 
far right groups and far left groups. Um, and they're also kind of being helped and backed by various international, various co countries from elsewhere. And it, it's a mess. Okay. Um, so it's a very, very violent time. Um, Lazio supporters were and still are famed for being aligned with far right extremist groups. Okay. Um, and it was not uncommon to see symbols and banners bearing some of the fascist symbolism used by Benito Mussolini. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not great. Yeah, that's not great. It's not, not a great not, look. Not great, Bob. Not a great look. This is the era in which Fabrizio Picciatelli first began attending Lazio games. Fabrizio? 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 Oh, like Fabrizio. Like, yeah. Fabrizio. <laughs> Again, sorry to Italian people. <laughs> Fabrizio Picciatelli. Picciatelli. Yes. Okay. Dominic de Coco. Dom <laughs> <laughs> a lot of this... Okay, so a lot of this info is based on uh, some really good reporting by Tobias Jones for The Guardian. So if you want to read more about Picciatelli, about Italian ultras, uh, look him up. Um... But Pichatelli didn't really care about the game occurring on the field. Okay. What did he really care about? He viewed attending matches and joining supporters groups as a war against groups from other clubs. The sport was entirely secondary. What <laughs> mattered was fighting and winning. He was a street fighter. That's what he did. Okay. okay. Like, it was like, Jeez. what do I do for fun? I fight people. <laughs> that, that's his life. Oh, um, man. Uh, this is another thing from Tobias Jones, but uh, Picciatelli once said, For the good of Lazio, we were looking to injure people on the other side. We wanted to go onto the terraces and kill them. He what? said he wanted to feel alive in the world of the dead, and fighting helped him do it. What the heck? Did did he actually kill people? Maybe. I don't think he was ever actually arrested for that, but it's a possibility. Gotcha. Um, so this is the type of person that we're dealing with. Okay. Uh, yeah, not a very nice sounding person. No. Yeah. No, not at all. Sounds like a pretty bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, in 1987. Okay. A new supporters group announced its presence in the Curva Nord with a large banner depicting a cartoon man in a bowler hat kicking into the air. The group called themselves the Irreducibili which translates roughly to the diehards. Okay. Um, the group is extremely well-coordinated, extremely violent, and basically unafraid of, of everything. Um, they quickly fought their way to control of Curva Nord over the Eagles um, and remained more or less publicly in control of Curva Nord from the late 80s to well into the 2000s. Wow. Okay. Pichatelli was a teenager in 1987 okay. and was one of the founding members of the group. Okay. Um, not a not a teenager in 1987. He would have been a teenager in the 70s. Yeah. Math. Doing so when math he, he was quick. a teenager when he first started going to games, he was probably in his early to mid 20s. Okay. Uh, when when irreducibility first became a thing, they went to the top real quick though. Yeah, and and the Eagles like disbanded like oh, very wow. soon after. Yeah. So yeah. Let's get the in-stadium stuff out of the way first, because that's the type of stuff that is most visible and most people already know okay. about. Like, when they hear, like, Lazio fans, everybody's like, oh, they're crazy, they're racist, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, the Irreducibili are openly fascist, sexist, racist, anti-Semitic. Here's a couple of their greatest hits from just the past two years. In 2018, 
the Irreducibili and other Ultras groups distributed pamphlets explicitly banning women from sitting in the first ten rows of the Curva Nord. Here's what it said. La Curva Nord is a sacred place. Women, wives, or fiancés are not allowed in the first ten rows. We invite those who choose the stadium as an alternative to a romantic day at Villa Borghese to instead choose another place. What the heck? In April of this year, 2019, yeah. the Irreducibili were behind a major banner display in Milan that read, Honor to Benito Mussolini, while many fans performed a fascist salute to the banner. Uh, that's, this is from uh, Gianluca Mezzofiore of CNN. Uh, the display occurred before a major Italian cup match against AC Milan and also was one day before the Italian Liberation Day or the celebration for the Italians of the end of Nazism slash fascism. Uh, the banner was also displayed quite close to Piazzale Loreto where Mussolini and his mistress were hung upside down after their public execution in 1945. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that he was... Hung. Oh, no, they were shot first, and their bodies were dragged through the streets by cars, and then they were hung upside down from a bridge. Wow. So you they were something new every day. They were dead when they were hung upside down, but, yeah, that's wow. what occurred to them. That's... The people of that, Italy, yeah, yeah. It was. I guess, I'm guessing they didn't really like the uh, Benito they too, were, too much. They were not fans of what had become of Italy. Not very big fans of mm-hmm. of him. In October 2017, they distributed stickers of Anne Frank wearing a Roma kit. What? Along with an anti-Semitic slogan. Gosh. Lazio, of course, being arch-rivals of Roma, uh, which means that um, Anne Frank wearing a Roma kit means that Jews are bad. That's that's what that that's what they were saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was following, but thanks for, for clearing that up. Racist and fascist chants and taunts are also commonly heard in Lazio, with black pair, black players frequently being treated to monkey howls, while Eastern European players are often taunted and called gypsies. So that's just like the last couple of years. Uh, do they do anything? Like, does the Italian league do anything? People get banned. Like, people get banned from the stadium all the time. People get, like, the, the team gets fined, and, and, like, nothing ever happens. That's crazy. Because I just don't these understand how are real powerful. Or like, are we're you about expl- to say? We're going to explain a little bit okay. more about how, just how about, high up yes. this goes. Uh-huh. Okay. Um. So that's just the last couple of years. They've been known for this throughout their existence, and they've been around for like three decades. Oh wow! So yeah, it's been a while. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, so so yeah. So so now let's let's kind of go under the hood a little bit. Yeah. Let, let, let's see this. Um. In the 1990s, Lazio were good. Yeah. They were very good. They won two Coppa Italias. Uh, They frequently finished in the top four of Serie A before finally winning their second Scudetto in the 1999-2000 season for winning Serie A. Um, They had legends playing for them, like Alessandro Nesta, uh, who came up with Lazio. Uh, He was a Lazio original OG. Yeah. Uh, Hernan Crespo, uh, Pavel Nedved. They all played for Lazio. Wow, okay. Um, Legends. They were coached by Sven Jorn Eriksson okay. during that time. Um, so this is like a it's a, like a, a laundry list of names. Yeah, seriously. Um, this led to more interest in the club, and more interest meant more money. Um, and according to Tobias Jones, Ultras groups typically functioned as self-sustaining organisms, <clears throat> and they produced merchandise, fanzines, things of that nature to help fund 
banners, their travel expenses, so that they could go crip, kick the crap out of other ultras, the um, and that sort of thing. Uh, Pichatelli saw all this, how much money could be made um, by doing this stuff. Yeah. And he decided that he wanted, he had ideas for how he could make that more. So okay. he managed to depose the man known as Grinta, who was the graphic designer who came up with the original cartoon for the year of Ducibili, the, the guy in the bowler hat. Yeah. And he had been the leader um, and, and founder of the group. And Pichatelli assumed control of the Irreducibili and started a company called Original Fans. Uh, Original Fans is kind of that fan club spirit, but made it into like a big business venture where he's selling T-shirts, he's selling scarves, he's selling stickers and pins and, and all this stuff that they're making. And so it's this big, it becomes this really, really huge retail outlet and at, at its height, had up to twelve like stores, okay, around wow Rome and That's elsewhere. Crazy. Also, eventually, because he's making so much money, and because this has become such a big group of fans, that it has become like important to the the atmosphere of Lazio. Yeah, and owners at the time didn't really care about what their fans were doing yeah the, or at least the lots of owners didn't care about what their fans as were long doing. as they were making money they were kind of like trying to appease the fans yeah so they also allowed the ultras groups including the irreducibility who is the biggest and most important ultras group at lazio to sell the club's official merchandise what why that doesn't make any sense as like a licensed retailer, they made original fans a licensed retailer. Oh, okay, okay. So they could so so they were they were getting business from that. I guess that makes sense. And they also were giving the the club like a bunch of free tickets for their supporter section that the irreducibility would turn around and sell at an overhead. They would also be giving them money for banners and displays and stuff. Okay. So it became this like big kind of functioning organism where yeah. the owners of Lazio wanted the Irreducibili and the Ultras groups because they created such a crazy atmosphere. Yeah. And it was an impressive spectacle for a team that was really, really good. Yeah. One of the best teams in Italy, wants to compete in Europe, that sort of thing. Um, in turn, this made the Irreducibili extremely extremely cash rich yeah i was um, gonna say they really planted the seeds for them to grow into their own self-sustaining yes. organism but original fans is also selling still all of their own fan stuff so like the fascist symbolism they double down gosh swastikas anti-semitism like all of it and lazio leadership was just like eh, whatever. didn't give a crap okay did not give two craps wow about what about what they were doing um this was an original fans, overwhelming success. It helped attract even more members to the Irreducibili um, because groups from other Ultras groups um, that were very, like, already kind of far-right extremist people yeah. were attracted by how openly they embraced fascism, essentially. Yeah. Um, so more people came. To the group as a result of that. It also made Pichatelli a millionaire. 
Um, it was estimates of his like actual estate uh, were kind of hard because so much of it is like cash in hand. Um, yeah. But he became like he made off of this like two three million euros at the very least. Wow. <clears throat> So, as one Lazio supporter told Tobias Jones for uh, The Guardian, if Pichatelli weren't a gangster, he would be a CEO. <laughs> Which, yeah. I mean, yeah. Already CEOs are... <laughs> I was going to say, probably not too far off. Probably not too far from... Current CEOs. CEOs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he gained the nickname Diabolic. Uh which is the same as diabolic as you spell it normally, but it's spelled with a K, um, uh. after an Italian comic book character who was a thief and an assassin. Gotcha. Um, and Pichatelli, who is the street fighter turned ultra leader, was definitely a gangster. I was, I'm more and more convinced as you continue to tell the story that he has definitely killed people, or he definitely did kill people. There are probably some bodies. Yeah. Or at the very least, he probably ordered somebody to be like. Yeah. He got like some hitmen or something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, he was charming and short tempered in like equal measure. He had friends within the police. Okay. Um, and one of the things he most enjoyed doing, doing was flaunting his ability to get into the stadium no matter how many times they banned him. Oh, they, like, tried banning him a yeah. lot. Yeah, because, I mean, because because FIFA and, and uh, different people would come in and be like, oh, we have to ban these people because of what you did or else you'll get this, this, this. And so they did. Yeah. And then he just comes in because he has, at this point, he's so well-connected, he has so many friends within the stadium and within upper management of Lazio where... He can just get in. He can just talk. He can get whoever he wants into the game, yeah. including himself. Yeah. There was one policeman who complained that Pichatelli could get into places at Lazio Stadium that he couldn't get into. What? Yes. That is crazy. <clears throat> he has so like his own like network of tunnels yeah. under the <laughs> stadium. It's like Nacho Libre. Yeah. Shh, shh, shh. Secret tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> so so basically, Pichatelli has turned like this fan club into his his gang like he is well and and the ultras groups have always been kind of like more like paramilitary organizations yeah um and and like that as opposed to like just like random drunk hooligans like yeah they're very well organized that sort of thing um but yeah pichadeli is is running this like a a mob and he is the mob boss okay um the irreducibility at this point were like spilling out beyond like games and the stuff around it. Mm-hmm. They organized riots to stop like tax debts, um, boycotted papers if they didn't like, uh, if if they tried to like denounce the the violence and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, any any self-professing member acting in spontaneity or out of lockstep with the rest of the irreducibility, whether in the game, in Curve Nord, uh, or outside the stadium, well, they were swiftly punished. Uh, and meanwhile, Pichatelli also had begun making inroads with the Neapolitan mob, known as the Camorra, and began drug dealing and running drugs. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really. He's diversifying his portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Asset allocation is very important, mm-hmm. so... <laughs> 
he facilitated the movement and sale of hundreds of kilos of various narcotics. Um, wow. And this is, this is like starting to, to get to the mid late nineties. Um, the gang violence amongst the ultra groups was reaching like an all time high. Uh, one member of the irreducibility in particular, I mean, there, there's several cases of, of murder in, in ultra groups. Okay. But yeah. One particular member of the irreducibility was murdered. And the only part they found of him was his leg floating in the Tiber River that had been chainsawed off. What the heck? That is terrible. This is, it's like some Mad Max type. Yeah. How did they know it was his leg? They're like, oh, yeah. That's definitely... His. I guess they had, like, DNA testing. And stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah they, it's not like it was the 1920s. <laughs> yeah. 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 This is like... You were alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say... the. Police and, and their technology has advanced far enough to where be like, all right, yeah, this is definitely this dead dude's leg. Yes. We don't know where the rest of his body is, though. So this is this is what this is what was happening at Lazio. This is what was happening behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but perhaps the most audacious thing Pichadeli and the Irreducibili attempted was in 2006. And this is getting into a bit more conjecture and less like solid reporting and facts because it's just kind of suspected by people slash also by me. Okay. So, okay. so bear with me. Yeah. Um, it's not like conspiracy theory, really. I feel like it's really easy to connect the dots. But yeah. I'll, yeah. Yeah, I'm following. So in the mid-2000s, Lazio's success uh, that they had at the turn of the century had waned. Uh, Sven Jorn Eriksson was gone. Um, as were most of the stars that made Lazio such a good team. Uh, Lazio was also saddled with a large amount of debt. Yeah. Um, so, in 2004, the club was purchased by Claudio Lotito, who still owns the club today. Okay. Um, and he immediately did not win any friends. Uh, he told Tom Kington of The Guardian, uh, when I got here, I said... I don't want to talk to these fans. What do we have to talk about? What do we have to talk about? Uh, that's that's not great from an owner. But the fans needed to talk to, and he was, but he was specifically talking about like the fascist ultras. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Like, I don't want to talk to them. Like yeah. they're they're hurting people. They're killing people. Like this is this is bad. Yeah. Um, but the fans needed to talk to Lotito because under the previous ownership, they had worked out the deals to. Sell club merchandise, resell, resell free tickets, um, thousands of euros they were getting from the club to put on displays and choreographies and banners and all that stuff. Um, the Irreducibili and the rest of the Curvin Nord had essentially become used to Lazio, giving them the means to not only do what they wanted in the stands, but also for the well-placed among the ultras to be like really well-paid for it. Gotcha. Lotito refused to give the ultra groups... The handouts yeah he revoked the merchandising deals yeah he didn't give the free tickets he didn't give the money that's good for the banners and stuff it is good <laughs> good, good for him <clears throat> and lotito is not lotito is not clean he's been banned by the italian fa uh two times he oh. was caught up in the calciopoli scandal. oh yeah but he was kind of seen as this person who was like trying to kick the fascists out okay this led to obviously you're you're not at PC3 fans. Lazio isn't doing super well. They're still really, really, uh, like, they're still in a lot of debt, even after he's injected a lot of money. 
Um, so, in 2007 and 2008, I believe it might have started in like 2006, the, the dates are a little fuzzy as far as when this was reported as opposed to when it actually happened, uh-huh. but Giorgio Kinalia claimed to represent a Hungarian pharmaceuticals group that was aggressively attempting to buy the club. Okay. Kinalia was a Lazio legend. Um, he played on the team who won the club's first Scudetto in yeah. 1974. Uh, Canalia had also previously served as the club president. However, Canalia, for all of our American soccer listeners out there, is most famous to them, probably, as being a teammate of Pele for the New York Cosmos. Ah, yes. Where he played for six years, and he scored 193 goals and 213 appearances. What? <laughs> League wasn't very competitive. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lazio's ultras had been threatening Latito and pressuring him to sell for for a while now. Yeah. Um, kind of ever since he refused to give them up. Like mm-hmm. It was kind of like declaring war on the ultras groups. Okay. And the ultras were like, we were here first and we will be here after you, basically. Yeah. Um, this there is one choice threat that was included in uh, the Tom Kington article. Uh, your wife has great legs. Too bad we're going to break them. What the heck? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like it's like classic like mob stuff. Yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, with all the debt the club had to deal with, even after Latito had put in thirty four million pounds of his own money. Oh wow. Uh, the time the time might seem right to actually sell the club when you have like a club legend, a popular figure from the club's history. Um, was part of the bid to, to buy. The club's fans were terrible people in just about every conceivable way, yeah. and they hated him and were threatening him. They actually had to give him, like, police protection yeah, because um, of all the threats. Um, so, like, why not sell? Like, yeah, seriously. If, if somebody's going to come in and, and, like, sell at a price that, like, you're like, oh, I'm not losing too much or maybe even gaining some, Yeah, why not? Latito never really got the chance to make that call. Oh. Because in July of 2008, Italian police announced the arrests of seven people and the warrants for the arrest of three more, including Giorgio Canalia. Oh, no. Who had fled the country to the United States. Great. He had gained citizenship when he was playing in the NASL. Very good. For attempting to buy Lazio with laundered money. Oh, no. Canalia had claimed to represent pharmaceutical company Richter Gedeon, which is in Hungary. The company later denied that it had been trying to acquire the team. Instead, it appeared that several people were running money from Hungary, gained by drug dealing and other illegal activity, to Italy to attempt to buy Lazio. Furthermore, the people arrested were part of the Casalese clan in Naples, now, why did a gang from Naples want to try to buy a Roman club? Because the Casalisi clan was part of the Camorra, the Naples Mafia. Yeah. And who have we just learned was also working with the Camorra? Yes. Our Fabrizio Pichatelli. Dominic DiCocco. <laughs> so I haven't been able to find any article that explicitly pins this on Pichatelli. Um, okay. But, like, let's go back over the facts. Yeah. Pichatelli got rich off of fan retail and the deals at his ultra group were getting cut by the Lazio front office and the irreducibility were easily the most powerful ultra group at Lazio at the time. Pichatelli was also running drugs for the Camorra. He was well connected there. He was a person that 
I mean, like, at the very least, they were using a lot. The Camorra tried to buy Lazio out of the blue. The Ultras tried to threaten Latito into selling while that was happening. And the Ultra Groups in Italy run far more like paramilitary organizations than random hooligans. They plan everything out. Pichitelli was at the very top of the Lazio Ultra food chains, so chances are really, really friggin' good. That Pichitelli was not only privy to the gang he ran with trying to buy Lazio illegally, but it also could have been his idea. This is now a conspiracy theory podcast. It is a little bit of a conspiracy theory podcast. But, I mean, it's hard to argue with the facts that we see in front of us. (laughs) So I think it is okay to speculate in this. Speculate just a little bit. Just a wee little bit. In this scenario. I mean, like, it's possible that Pichetelli ultimately wasn't that important to the Kimura. um, And he was just, like, a a drug dealer for them or something like that. Um, But I think that the coincidences of all how all that timing lined up are just a little bit too much to gloss over yeah yeah i i agree i'm i'm right there with you you put up a pretty good argument to why pichatelli is behind everything (laughs) maybe not behind everything everything okay everything (laughs) everything Um, in the late 2000s, the Irreducibile took a step back from being such a visible presence in the Curve of Nord, even though they remained a prominent and foreboding group behind the scenes, continuing their operations. Uh, Pichatelli was arrested in 2015 after police found his warehouse hideout and seized axes, swords, clubs, guns, and phone jamming systems. He was ready for war in, like, every single time oh period that there was. I was going to say... <laughs> <clears throat> like every every single weapon you could think of, this guy had. Um, he was placed on house arrest, and several of his properties were seized. Even as he continued to run his ultras. Good. On August sixth, two thousand and nineteen. Not like this is that's twenty days ago. Yes. Diabolic himself sat down on a bench in the Parco degli Aquedotti, which I I'm no have no doubt that I butchered, but uh-huh. means Park of the Aqueducts. Yeah. It was an early evening. As he sat, a jogger ran by him, and as he ran by, pulled a pistol out of his pocket and shot Pichatelli in the head. What? Pichatelli died almost instantly. Police are currently investigating the murder, but most have speculated that it looks like a professional hit. Many Irreducibili members have turned the park bench into a sort of memorial shrine. Um, there are flowers, balloons, there's irreducibility scarves and merchandise that are kind of like, are, have been draped over the bench. And no rival ultras will publicly speak ill of the most famous and infamous Lazio fan there ever was. Guy was terrible, though. He doesn't deserve all that. They, he was loved Ugh. by the people that, that followed him. Could you imagine it's that disgusting. guy? Could you imagine that guy? effectively being a part of the ownership group of Lazio. Yeah, that would be no bueno. I mean, it was... Uh, it's it's like... It's just like wanton... evil, essentially. Yeah, yeah. They, uh... They... During, under Lotito, they, you know, they, they kind of started running anti-Lotito campaigns via radio stations that they controlled and papers that they put out and in stands and stuff like that 
and they didn't like the players that he brought in and all this stuff. And basically the only player and thing about Lazio on the field that they liked during that time was uh, now former Sunderland manager Paolo Di Canio. Oh, really? Because he would score and do Nazi salutes to the fans. Oh, my gosh. So and he has a job? So they liked him. I don't know if he has a job right now. Wow. Well, he doesn't deserve to have a job. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's just something yeah. in, uh, in his past um, yeah. that he definitely did. Uh, he also played a lot for West Ham. Oh, well. Yeah, the last the last time he managed a team was was Sunderland in 2013. Gotcha. He was uh, a while ago. Famously, was the one who brought Josie Altebert to Sunderland. Oh, <laughs> all right. So connections. That was a very failed tenure in the Premier League, but that's yeah, not part yeah, of the story. It's a different. That's a different story to tell. So that's that's the story of Fabrizio Pichatelli at the time the Mafia almost bought Lazio. Uh, how Giorgio Canalia never went back to Italy because he was afraid that he was going to get arrested. Um, yeah. And the murder of... And the murder of, of, of Fabrizio Pichatelli. Yeah, Diabolic. Wow. Yeah. Um, that is... That's a heavy one. I literally saw this. Um, someone was like, oh, like, most famous ultras uh, leader got murdered and I was like oh I'll read that that's interesting and I saw this little snippet that was like oh yeah and there was the one time where he tried to buy the club illegally and I was like what <laughs> I'm like research this oh, gosh. Uh, yeah you're always bringing like really serious stories to the table which is good I mean, it's fun to, to bring st- to talk about stories about dogs and witches and stuff like that <laughs> I like fun ones I'll keep it I'll keep it a little lighter next time <laughs> But it's important to talk about stuff like this in history so that we hopefully don't repeat ourselves. Yeah. Well, you know. And we can denounce stuff like this happening, especially in our current climate when players are getting harassed. We'll just police Manchester United Twitter a little bit more and... Yeah, oh man, it is terrible right now. It's it's bad. It's really bad and it's really disappointing. Um, And I would... Wish that it wasn't happening to to anybody, but it is every day, and it's important to shed light on that so that we don't forget that. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's Fabrizio Pichatelli and the fan who would be king. Oh, yeah, oh, so close until he got shot in the face. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, well, <clears throat> somebody had to say it, and he, but yeah, yeah, somebody did. Well, I, uh, I, th- I think we should maybe that's, wrap that's that up. That's the pod then. for the week. I guess that's the pod for the week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't forget to, to set Nick Pope in your lineup. Don't forget to set, yeah, <laughs> uh, Captain Todd Cantwell this week. Uh, hashtag Todd Canwell. <laughs> hashtag. Hashtag. As always, you can follow us everywhere on at DeadballPod. Uh, you can like and comment and retweet and subscribe and do all the things you need to do. You can email us at deadballpod at gmail.com. You can give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or any... On Google Podcasts. On Google Podcasts. On Stitcher, on any podcast catcher that you can find us on. Let us know what you think of the pod. Yeah. Preferably five stars. Preferably five stars. If you hate it, still rate it five stars and then tell us why you hated it. (laughs) And we'll try to be better. (laughs) Because our customer service is phenomenal. (laughs) We like to think so. 
Uh, as always, my name is Adam Whitaker Snavely. And I'm Drew Snavely. And we love you. So much. So, so much. Bye.